This morning, I'm going to go a little further in this uh, thought uh, message that I said would take three weeks to preach. Some of them are are longer than others, and and it covers a lot of territory. And so last week, I, I don't know if you understood or grasped everything I was trying to say as we try to understand the universal church and how that transitions later into a local church. Uh, We're all part of the universal church that God has created, but it goes beyond just the universal church. And so it has to have a mindset, first off, do I believe in church? Do I believe in the concept of church? Uh, In our culture, it's and so I've entitled this second part of this, uh, basically, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? Because the first section is pretty simple. That's an easy sell in our society. Even even from, from TV preachers to you name it, you can sell the universal church. And understand, when you hear mostly television preaching, what they're preaching to is the universal church. They are preaching to the church body. So they, they do broad strokes of, uh, of teaching on, on certain books of the Bible. They may do broad strokes of teaching on, on faith or on uh, giving or on uh, just different topics that might be. But that, that covers every denomination, covers every group, every, every class, every age group. And so the problem is, is if you get stuck in that then you feel like, well, I I know about God. I know about the church. I know about, and you miss out on what our society, not not the world, but our church society is missing and is creating an enormous problem because people can believe in God but can't fit in a church. They can believe in God but can't get up to go to church. They can believe in God but can't get along with the people they sit beside. They believe in God, but don't sit on my row or my chair. What what is the problem? Well, the universal church is easy. But this morning, we're going to dig a little deeper and try to break this mindset of understanding what's in it for me. Because we have to get past this if we're ever going to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish as people. Let me begin this morning as we go to Ephesians 4. And I'll be working through most of Ephesians 4, at least through the first 16 verses today. So as you turn there, we'll be skipping to two or three other places. But I just want to walk through today this breaking down now of the local church. What is the purpose of this church, Brother Lot? What is the purpose of all seasons? Why are you here? If you can't answer why are you here, and if it it just becomes like most churches, well, we're here to win the world. That's a what? That's a universal church. Do you think all seasons is going to win the world? No. It's not going to happen. I don't even speak Chinese. (laughs) It's not happening. But there can be a local church in Forest, Mississippi, in Scott County, that can accomplish what God wants to accomplish. So when most churches, and I know it's going to sound kind of odd and strange what I'm saying, but you have to get this in your mind. What's our church here? We're here to win the world. you got to do better than that. You've got to break it down to exactly what it is God has called this body to accomplish. And until you do that, you cannot reach the people in that area or in that sphere that God has given you. Now, Paul starts off by talking about the universal church. So let's understand it as we break into chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in the manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. So now, he's speaking to the universal church. He's talking to the body, but he's saying, listen to me, I am a prisoner of this thing. I'm a prisoner of what I'm fixing to explain to you. I'm a prisoner of Christ. I am saved. I am indebted to everybody. And so I'm asking you to 
Think seriously about walking in the vocation that you have been called. Not to take what I'm fixing to share with you lightly. Not to just think that it's just something I'm talking about, but something that is to impact your very life. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, does this, verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. He says, as the universal church, and this is one of our first problems, is that until we have this spirit that comes from us individually, we can never work corporately. And he says, individually understand we're all part of this same group. We're all part of this same umbrella. And having that understanding, let us treat every single person of every denomination, of every group, of of every background, of, of every style, treat them with respect and love and patience and kindness. Let that be. In other words, always looking for what you have in common and not always bringing up what you have that divides you. That doesn't sound like our church of our modern day. One of the things that I do sometimes is flip through YouTube. I know that's old school, but I flip through YouTube and hear these sermons and, and how one group believes in this and one group believes in that. And I love to hear how they use certain scriptures here way. And it helps my theology as far as being able to say, okay, I understand that. I don't throw things at the television. I don't stand up and say, you're lying and I don't, I don't get upset. I am just understanding that I want to know what you have read that has made you feel this away. And as I was, if I were preaching, I would stand up and say, I've read this and this is what I take from it. The problem is, is that normally those two people can't have a conversation, can they? The problem now is those two can't respect each other. They can't, they can't have love. That's what he says here. He says, with all humility. When you're around other Christians, other believers, you are to treat them with humility, with gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Listen, that's what he says in verse 3. Eager to maintain the what? The unity of the... Now, you got to get this because it's not unity of your beliefs. It's not unity of your denomination. It's not unity of everything. There's people in this room, and I was going to shock you, that doesn't believe everything Pastor Lot believes. <gasps> well, you just need to get out of here. No. Why do you come? Because here's the thing. What you felt just a few minutes ago, most churches wish they could feel every Sunday. I don't know if you took advantage of it or you just sit there like, you know. But the fact is, is that the presence of God moved in this place. And it wouldn't matter what backgrounds you're from, what, what, what denomination you're from. It draws us into unity. Our young people just went to the Passion Conference. And there's people from every denomination, from different countries, from different everything. How can all those people, and, if, and here again, if you pull up on YouTube, you're going to hear all the criticism of, of, of all the fake worship and, and fake this and, and, and this is fake and this is not this and this is not. And I'm thinking, you know what the problem is? You don't really love those people. The problem is you don't really have compassion or gentleness inside of you. Because the whole goal is to simply look in the situations and maybe it's done a little differently. Maybe some people are a little quieter than you. Maybe some people are a little louder than you. Maybe they do it different than you. But here's the thing. Your mindset is always to find unity in every situation. I didn't say you believed everything they believed. And it wouldn't take but few words to start an argument. Jesus did this multiple times with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he could bring up one little topic. He could say, oh, concerning the resurrection, oh, oh, and it, it threw the part. It, man, they didn't even mad at him no more. They're mad at each other again. And Jesus said, this is your problem. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of, in other words, everywhere I go, I am bound to try to keep peace. Does that mean I always do it? 
No, because I'm a what? I'm a peacemaker. So there's going to be sometimes that in my mindset to not do harm, not to do this, somebody's going to push for a response. Anybody ever deal with that? Oh, you, you're one of those. Oh, Lord. Well, y'all believe in that, that speaking in tongues and, and, and crazy stuff. And, and I, I know we want to turn around and say, yeah, and you're dry as cracker juice. Right? And you're like, no, Lord. Well, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Glad you asked. Would you like to discuss? Oh, no, I don't want to talk about it. Well, if you ever do, would love to talk with you about it. But, hey, I'm just glad me and you will be in heaven together. And, and you're, you're in church. Are you working in your church? Well, yeah, I teach Sunday school. I'm like, wonderful. Man, hey, I'll be praying that, that God just fills your class with. Well, thank you. I'm like, no problem. We're part of the same universal family. This is what Paul is teaching here. And until you get this, it doesn't do no good to bring your arrogant, ugly, criticizing self and join a church because now you just have ammunition for it you already were ugly and you already were mean and you already were cynical now we just made you a member now you've become our greatest weapon in town well pastor light i'm gonna tell you something i talked to three or four people at lunch the other day and i'm thinking oh god what did you tell them well i just shot them straight I'm like, I wish I could hit you with a board. <laughs> I really do. Why? Because you've lost the first process. The whole goal was to keep unity. Doesn't mean it always happens. But I promise you the goal was not to go in and blow up the place. Oh, now you're getting quiet on me. Well, let's press a little further. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. Now, now let's, let's break this down. Go back to that verse because there's seven points I want you to realize right here, seven things real quick, that creates the unity that should never be broken. This will help you in your unity. Now, if these things aren't there, then you have a right to blow up the joint. But notice what it says. There is, if you can't look at the other person across the table and realize they're your brother or your sister, then be quiet. You're all part of one body. They may look ugly. They may stink. They may not be all there yet, but they're part of your body. They're representing your Savior. You're all part of one body and one. So the same Holy Spirit that touched you one day when you were messed up and tore up from the floor up, it's the same Holy Spirit that met them one day and called them out of their life. The same Spirit that saved you saved them. Oh, I thought they got theirs out of a cereal box. No, you're part of one body by one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. Listen, there is one, verse 5, there is one Lord. If both of you understand that Jesus Christ is my Savior, then you're part of one body. Now, you may bump into some denominations that start to deter right here a little bit. So you're like, okay, we're not, we're not running in the same stream. There's only one Lord. His name is Jesus Christ, which creates what? One faith. I have one faith. My hope is in Him. 
and in him alone. It's not by works or anything that I've done, but simply through the works of Jesus Christ and my faith rest in him. If we both understand that, we may have some differences, but we're still working. And we under one what? Baptism. I don't care if you were sprinkled. I don't care if you were dunked. I don't care if it was in a pond or a bathtub. I don't care. Now here, understand, we're not in the form of denominational understanding now. Because if we, if, if, if we want to argue right here, we can start arguing, can't we? Then that means some of the baptisms I've done didn't work because I've had to go into hospitals at times with people dying of cancer and they would say, Pastor, baptize me and I would take a cup and I would sprinkle them on their head or take my hand and rub it on their face as water and and I guess that didn't work, did it? Because that wasn't done right. I should have drug them out of their bed, unhooked the IV, took them into the shower and then you would be happy, right? Now, don't get me wrong. If I have my others, I'm going to take them to a pond or a tub or whatever. I'm not arguing. I'm just telling you we can get off track real quick on stuff that God and Paul says, don't get off track and don't lose unity over these little things that do not separate you. So there's one God, one Father and Father of all. There's one God and Father of all. God is one who is over all and through all and in all. So this is your universal church that you are to be able to get along with, whether the Ephesians had to get along with the Galatians or the Galatians had to get along with whoever else, the Thessalonians, it didn't matter. Hey, our church is little, this one's big, this one's that, this one's gone. Corinth has all these cool stuff going on. It doesn't matter. We're all part of the same universal body. But... Paul says, let's shrink it down. If I'm just wandering around and part of this universal body, then there can be a lot of people that work around and walk around and says, well, I believe in Jesus, or I, I have this, and I was baptized once a long time ago, and I've done this, but so what has happened then since in your life? Nothing. I haven't, I haven't gone any further in my life. I haven't joined a church. I haven't been part of a church Because all the way up to here, it's all about what's in it for me. I got saved. I got my sins forgiven. I got delivered. I, And it didn't cost me. That's why it's so easy to preach this because everybody wants to preach this. And from TV, it's real easy. Salvation is free. Yes, it is. All the stuff I just listed, all the stuff, none of that you can do. But God did not end there. God did not stop at that point in your life. Here's what it says. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. When he ascended, for therefore it says, when he ascended on high to lead the host of captives... He gave gifts to to men. In saying he ascended, that what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the things in heavens that he might fill all things. What in the world is Paul Paul is is, is saying Now let's understand that this same Jesus who we say is Savior and Lord, and he also is the one who reigns over every single thing and all the good things in life come from him. Did you you enjoy the sun coming up today? That's Jesus. Do you enjoy breathing? Did you enjoy getting out of bed? Did you enjoy? That's Jesus. 
What, what Paul is saying here is that if you believe these first seven things, then what happens is naturally, not out of duty or obligation, but out of love, you have an understanding that Jesus then is the one who does what? He holds and sustains all. Go, go back with me to verse 8, and I will show you what I'm talking about. To verse 8. When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying, verse 9, that he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended to the lower regions of the world? Verse 10, he who descended is the one who also did what? Ascended far above all the heavens that he might feel all things. That's what the writer's saying. Until you come to the understanding that Jesus feels all things. In other words, from the foundation of the world, God told Jesus, this is the plan. We will make man. We will do this. We will create. We will do. But Satan now has, has gotten control of a lot of this stuff. So what I want you to do is I want you to descend back into the earth and I want you to finish the work that I need finished. And then when you descend and finish the work, then you will do what? Ascend. But when you ascend the next time, you will ascend in all power. That's what Jesus told his disciples. All power has been given unto me. Now you can go. Why? Because there's nothing that I don't feel. There's nothing I don't have control of. There's nothing that I don't sustain. There's nothing. You'd say, well, I got to go into that person's house. They don't own that house anymore. God, Jesus owns it all. Hey, I, well, I got to go to that bar and do. No, no. You, you, you got to understand wherever you put your foot, wherever you go, it's all Jesus. He already purchased it all. It's already been bought. The world just doesn't know it yet. The world hasn't understood it yet. The world fights against it, but the fact is it's already been bought. Look at the person beside you and say, you've already been purchased. When you die, you're going to go meet God because you belong to him. And he's just told you which closet he's going to put you in based on whether you've accepted it or not. So Jesus says this is the mindset that I need you to have. Having this mindset, then you're able to do the next part. And this is a hard part. Look at that person beside you and say, this is a big step. Go ahead and look at them again and say, a lot of people can't make this step. Yep. A lot of people can't make this step. Here's what he says. And he gave... To the church, he gave unto them apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and who gave it? Jesus. This was not something that man designed, this, this church thing. This this preacher thing, this life group and classes, and this is not a Tim Lott philosophy. This was Jesus saying, do you understand that I own and possess all? Yes. Do you understand that I possess you? Yes. Then here's what I need from you. I need you to come into the understanding that I have put into your life. Number one, I have put apostles. Apostles are people that establish a church. In the early church, the apostles of Jesus established the church. Now apostles don't establish the, the universal, the large denominator, the large church anymore. What apostles do now is they establish the foundation of the church that you are in. In other words, before I got here, 
If I could introduce you to Brother Walkers and introduce you to all the different people that have spent 20 or 30 years, the people in 1950s and 60s that founded this church, that, that started a tent revival here, and then started a church inside the house. By the time I got here, the apostles had already saturated everything that I had so that when I walked in, the first thing they were telling me... Pastor Lot, we, we've, been, we, we've, we've been dreaming for years. We believed that 10 years ago that, that God was going to fill this place. I would get letters from different people that they would see it filled and they would see it full and they would see. They saw this. The apostles saw this. The people that founded this church that, that paid the bills when nobody was there, when there was five or six and they were still praying, they were the ones that saw what nobody else could see and they were founding, they put a foundation down so that we now could build upon it no church can grow without apostles let me just say this as a warning that's why church splits usually end in a mess and don't get me wrong every church should split I hope one day that all seasons splits I hope we have multiple campuses But there's a healthy way to split. If 25 people come to me and say, Pastor, we just feel led that there needs to be a church in Meridian, Mississippi. Let's just take that. I'm not, I'm not envisioning nothing. Don't go so. Pastor said we're going. Don't, don't go writing. But let's just say... 25 people come and say, hey, some of us already work over here. Some of us, and, 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 and Bradley has said he would love to lead that and pastor that. And, and, and we're wanting the church to, to back us and help us get started there and to be a sister church unto us and, and to help us reach the people in that area. Do you know that is a healthy way for a church to, that's called growth. It's not when three families get mad and three blocks down the road decide to buy a building and say, we're going to steal as many people as we can. That's not healthy. Is this okay? I just need about eight weeks. And he gave some apostles and some prophets. Prophets are people who see visionary we hear people all the time, even some of the stuff that I do is like when I said 2024 is our year of harvest. It's our year that God is going to send people. God's going to, it just means that somebody senses, somebody feels, it can be a group of people inside a church. There need to be multiple prophets that are prophesying. Now, they're not going to be prophesying four different things. They're going to be prophesying. You're going to know that you feel the momentum and they feel where God is taking and they're prophesying. Man, I'm telling you, we are right on the verge of. And then also there are evangelists. You know, there's some people in my church the happiest they are is when somebody gets baptized, when somebody gets saved, when somebody, their heart is evangelist. Let me just correct this. In times past, we messed it up badly. We thought evangelists were traveling salesmen. Selling some extra juice from God. That's not what it is. Inside the local church, there are evangelists, people whose heart and passion is to win the lost. And these are the people that go what, knock on doors. These are the people that if you look around the church, you'll find them because they're the ones that's always bringing somebody. Because they can't stand the thought of going to church and none of their friends getting saved and something. Not. They're the people that call people. They're the people that go pick up people. They're the people. Their whole desire is, man, I got it. You just got to come to church. You just got to get here with us. You just, you just need to come here, Pastor Lot, preach. You just need to. And, and, and it's not about that. Their whole mindset is, I want to see that person saved. Not just the one person in your family, but everybody. If churches have apostles who establish the foundation, if they have prophets who are speaking vision into where they're going, if they have evangelists that are reaching out and winning souls, do you understand that is a healthy church? 
Listen to what he says. There are shepherds or teachers and preachers, as yours might translate. Those two go together. There are pastors who are teaching, breaking down the word, and under them are teachers. That's why if you're not teaching what the pastor wants, I'll get rid of you. Because you're an extension of my teaching. You have a gift of teaching, but it operates under the extension of my teaching. Does that make sense? And when that happens, you have a healthy church. Let me show it to you in, in, in other places. Go in your Bibles to Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. So think about what church could be. It's a place where people are using gifts of prophecy, of teaching, where they're using gifts of evangelism. They're using their gifts. Well, Paul uses this in every church that he goes to. If you want to know Paul's church model of, of building a healthy church, I'm fixing to show it to you. Go with me to Romans, because we just read it here in Ephesians. Let's go to Romans 12, 3 through 8. Here's what it says. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more what? Highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has. Who's given it to you? God. Here's what he says. For as in one body, oh, there's that body mindset again. As in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, through many, though many, are one body in Christ, and individual members one of another. It's still the same concept. Having gifts that differ according to the grace which is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. In other words, if you're going to prophesy... You better hope that you can hang on to it because that's why I always tell you, when I prophesy, I understand usually it's a five-year prophecy. If you've got a two-year track record everywhere you've been, you don't need to be prophesying because some prophecies take long time. I told you, the people that prophesied before I got here 30 years ago, they had been prophesying for 20 years inside a little cracked building. Those were some incredibly tough people. I wish I had their ability. Steady, week after week, month after month, nobody knew showing up. And yet saying, one day it's going to break. One day it's going to crack. Preacher after preacher, they went through six pastors in six years before I got here. And, 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 the, and the church was thinking about closing the doors, the main denomination. And, and, and so you, you're telling me that those five or ten were still hanging together saying, we believe God's got a purpose. We believe God's got something good. We're not going to let it die. We're going to keep it going. Can you imagine the toughness it takes? If you're going to prophesy, then make sure you do it with perseverance. You say, I'm going to see my kid saved. Then you better get ready for a hanging on. Don't, don't say it this week and then next week come back. Well, I don't know. They're probably just not going to make it. Up. No. You better write it on a paper. You better keep speaking it. You better find some scriptures to go with it. And you may have to say it for 20 years. If service in serving... In our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Do you see all these gifts operating inside a church? And here's the crazy thing. Every one of you in this room has them. Every one of you in this room has gifts. Not a one of you has been left out. Each one of you is part of the body universally, but also God has brought you to be part of the body locally. 
You're not here just because you just need some Jesus. You're not here just because you need church to feel better on Monday. You are here because you were meant to be part of a body that is touching and changing a world. Our world. Our world that walks through that door with two kids and is trying us out for the first time. Our world that heard about us from a friend. I was in a restaurant last night. And my waitress walked up to me and said, hey, when do y'all's church service start? And I messed it up. I said, 8.30. And at least, of course, I don't think about it. Lisa says, no, it's 8 o'clock. And I'm thinking, wow. That's our job, to reach the world. Every one of you in this room, where you work, where you... Your job is to reach the world with the gifts and the talents that God has given you. And when we put them together, we create something incredible that the world cannot withstand. And I'll show it to you. Here's what it says. The one who exhorts with exhortation. So go go with me uh, to 1 Corinthians then. To 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 12. He talks to the Corinthian church. He's talked to the Ephesian church. He's talked to the Roman church. Let's talk to the Corinthian church. Here's what he says. Now, there are varieties of what? There are varieties of gifts. Go back, go back with me. My bad. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same. There's that, there's that phrase. The same. See, until you understand that we're all part of the same body and the same spirit, you can't love somebody outside of your realm. What you have to do first is to say, God loves me, but he doesn't love you because you're in error. You're not doing it the way I do it, so God doesn't love you like he loves me. And it's my job to come in here and let you know it. No. The first step is to understand that God loves every single one of us the same. God loves every one of you just like he loves me. God loves the people of the church right down the road just like he loves me. God loves the people just down the road on the other church on the other side just like he loves me. He, he loves me just like he loves them. I, don't, I ain't less than them, but I'm not more than them. I'm just part of the universal body that God has called. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Notice he's, he's repeating this over and over. And this, if you don't get this in your mindset, you'll never fit in church because Paul said, if I was preaching this morning to all seasons, this is what I'd be making sure y'all understood. I made sure the Corinthians understood it. I make sure the Ephesians understand it. I make sure the Romans understand it. I make sure the Galatians understand it. I make sure every one of the churches that I'm responsible for understands how the body works. And if you can't get that, you're going to always have denominational, you're going to have relational, you're going to have all these problems it's going to creep up there are varieties of gifts but the same lord and there are varieties of activities but it is the same god who empowers them all in everyone to each one is given in the manifestation of the spirit for the common good to one another for to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom and to another the utterance of knowledge According to the same Spirit, to another, faith by the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. Do you know there's some people in this room that if, if, if they just see people in the altar and, and somebody's sick, they just naturally, as God moves on them, they just naturally grasp that they can be healed. Maybe it's because they themselves have come through sickness. I know John Hagee years ago built a whole ministry because as a child he was very sickly and God healed him. And because of that, his whole ministry was that of healing and deliverance. And, and he built even a college eventually, Rama College and everything, off of just this experience and this one attribute that God had done in his life. There's some that have gifts of knowledge. There's some people in this room, you don't need to be asking their advice. You know, the last three times you did, and you did it. But there's some people in this church, God will lead you to you like, man, I got some major decisions. And, and you'll, you'll notice, I, I don't know that person, but I need to go talk to that person. 
do it. Why? Because there's people in here that have gifts of knowledge. If you're struggling with balancing your finances and balancing your life, here, let me give you a quick reference. Go out in the yard out here and see which one's got good-looking cars. If their tail light ain't taped on, and it's not being ugly. But if they look like they got their stuff together, that's probably the person you need to ask when you're talking about, hey, tell me how you balance your budget. Tell me how you, you work through your life. Tell me how you make business decisions. Tell me how you invest. We, we get everything all so spiritual that we don't understand that inside this building is everything you need to help your life be well-rounded. There's some people in this room that make great friends. There's some that'll wear you out being your friend. You'll be like, oh Lord. Everything you need is in this building. The enemy's going to tell you, oh, no, 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 no. You just, just be quiet. Don't, don't just, just stay, be the first one out the door, do everything. And what you'll end up with is what you'll end up with. But if you allow God to give you, how do you know, Brother Lot? I'm a product of the building. My friends, the people who mentored me, the people who taught my Sunday schools, the, all that was what poured into my life. To another, the works of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. Love those. Those people, if, they, if, if you let them, will walk right up to you and help you. You'll be dating somebody. You'll they'll walk by with them and they'll say, Hey, sweetie, can I talk to you? You and that one right over serious? Oh, yes. Hey, I would really be careful. I would think twice about that one. I just get a feeling about that one. <gasps> I can't believe you say something. They might be trying to help you. To another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. Some are weird. Some speak in tongues real loud, and then all of a sudden another person interprets these tongues, and you're like, ooh. Spirit wants to speak to the entire church, and God uses people. All these are gifts that God uses. Go with me to verse 27. Oh, let's finish this. And all these, to one another working on miracles, verse 12, 11, all these are empowered by what? One in the same spirit. Here again, he goes back to that one in the same, part of the same body. You, you can't look at the person that talks in tongues and say, oh, well, that's weird. And look at the person that has wisdom and say, oh, that's weird. Or look at the one that says, I can kind of feel something ain't right. That's weird. No, we're all weird. Because what we're doing is not something we can do. The Spirit of God is moving on. Some things fit easier in society. Some things fit easier in the open. But, but it doesn't make them better or worse. It just means that, you know what? That kind of ain't as, ain't as odd to the world. But the fact is, they're all odd because if you say, well, where does your wisdom come from? Well, I just hear this voice in my head. It's God, and he talks to me. The world will think you're weird. They just think you're smart now. They don't know you're not that smart. You just got a voice going on in your head that's leading and guiding you. They just don't know the Spirit's the one doing it. And sometimes you don't even tell them, do you? You just smile and just like, well, I've done a lot of reading. You know, I just try to do what I feel is right. Where'd you get that feeling? All these are empowered by one and the same who apportions to each one individually as he. It's his. Verse 12, for just as the body is and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. I could go also 
to verse 27 to 28. Chapter 14, though, talks about order. So let's go back to Ephesians. Go back there with me where we cut off. Ephesians 4, pick up about verse 12. And let me wrap this up. So inside this local body, there are all these gifts. Some of them are miracles, wonders, powers. But understand, some of these inside the local church are administration. Preachers, teachers, prophets, evangelists. So why in the world then do we have them? Here's what it says. You have pastors and teachers and preachers and prophets and evangelists for this very purpose. purpose. To equip the saints for the what? To equip the saints for the work of... For building up the body of... All seasons has reached heights that others would think, man, y'all have done good. But can I tell you the crazy thing? Is that we have not reached nearly our potential. Not my potential. My potential's kept out. See, that's the problem. My potential is kept out. But the job that I have has not. The job of working with, helping every single one of you operate, work in your giftedness and your ability to accomplish all that God's called you to do, that has not capped out. And so the Conundrum is, is this. Will we get there? I wake up most mornings early, wrestling. Not with sermons, not with messages, not with I wake up early most every morning with a mindset, God, will they get it? Will they finally get it? That it's not what it's, what's in it for them. But it reaches a point to where what can I bring to add to the group that will touch those that have not been touched yet. Any church that's, that's above us, whether I travel around and I look, it's, it's very simple to see. It's watching the level of greeters that they have the sign holders at the road, and not people just out there, well, it's our week to hold signs and we got to welcome. No, it's, it's, this is what I get to do today. It's people laughing and, and enjoying and saying, I am using my gift and today somebody's life will get changed. It's every teacher at the highest excellence level they can be, not just coming up with something, not just making it through, not just surviving, but being the most excellent they can be. 
I'll, I'll give you a way to do that, and, and this is something that, that's real simple. I've done it for years, but it'll help you. If you're a teacher, if you're a, if you're a, a singer, if you're a, if, if, if you're a whatever it is. If I was to walk up to you today and I was to ask you, tell me, tell me the two people in your life that do it better than you. Can you tell me? In other words, if you asked me, Pastor Lott, tell me two people in your life that do it better than me. I can name five real quick in Alabama. And I talk to them on a regular basis, and I'm taking some of my staff to see some of them and, and, and different things like that. It ain't real hard because I call them, and they call me, and we talk, and, and I'm like, man, what are you doing, and what are you doing here? What are you saying, Pastor? Most of us get stuck in the mindset that we actually are doing good. Some of you actually think you're good teachers. Some of you actually think you're good preachers, good speakers. I know it sounds crazy. The praise team might even get to think they're good at what they do. It can happen. Unless you always have two buddies in front of you who do it better than you. And what that does is it always causes you to move forward. If I walked up to you and said, tell me two doing it better than you, what would you say? You could say, well, I'm not in ministry. Okay, let's take Bible reading. Tell me two people you know that read their Bible better than you do. That do devotions better than you do. That keep up with it. You'll get texts from them from time to time. Like they'll send you scriptures. You're like, Lord, I don't even have time to read the Bible. And they're sending me scriptures. Find two. Find people that are ahead of you. Find people who run faster than you. Find people, I've done it all my life. And let me tell you something, it'll cause you never to be content or arrogant about who you are. If the people I talk to have Sunday school classes as big as my church, I don't have no room to get arrogant. I got a church. They got a Sunday school. In your life, this is what God calls us to do. So listen, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body, I want you to think of it this way. If you're doing that, if, if, if I start working this leg, and this leg starts working, and I start doing more squats on this leg, if I just start doing more work on this leg, what's this leg going to do? It's going to try to keep up. When I used to run sprints to train, I would run downhill. If you want to get faster, it's real easy, run downhill. Because it causes your body to speed up. There are some days you run uphill just to build strength and, and, and muscle. But if you want to get faster, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Your arms are going to start moving faster. Your legs are going to start keeping up because you're going to feel yourself and you're going to run faster than you ever thought possible. And eventually you get to where that is the speed in which you move your arms and you move. And, and this is the same way with the body. If parts of the body are growing, it makes the rest of the body desire to grow. And that's what Paul is talking about here. To equip the saints for the work, to build up the body. The body gets bigger and stronger. The body can get mightier. Now, does the head get, get stronger or mightier or big? No, the head is Christ. It's already there. A baby that wants to learn to walk already knows in its mind how to walk. The problem is it can't get its... And once it learns to walk, it has to sit there for about two years and think, I really want to learn to run. No, it's already built. I want to do what? And as soon as I learn to walk, the mind is already saying, let's learn to run. That's the way it works inside the body of Christ. The body is continually growing. Verse 13. 
until we all attain to the unity of faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, the what? The mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, Christ has a mindset. I know it sounds strange to you. Christ has a picture of all seasons. And he says, if I could get my body to this level, then I could get it to do what I want it to do. But the body has to decide, I'll do it. Anybody like working out? Anybody know you need to? That's your mind telling you, you need to, you should. There's things we need to do. We need to feel better. But your body says, I don't feel like it. I'm hurting. It's sending messages to your brain, I don't feel it. Your brain is saying, but we could be so much better. And one has to win. One has to win. Until we all attain unto the unity of faith of the knowledge of the Son of God, the mature manhood, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be, there's that word, I showed you all like babies. So no, you would no longer be like children. But the body would be strong enough to do what the mind wants to do. That's the picture. He, it ain't saying like a wave. It's just, oh, I'm just, I'm just real strong, but he's blowing me around. No, he's showing you like, like children who can't control their bodies good. That's the way you act until you allow the church to help bring you into maturity. How do they do that? Through pastors and teachers and all of these things. Its job is to help you grow so that you may no longer be children tossed to and fro by every and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the Does that make sense? What's in it for me, Brother Lot? I'll tell you. If you will allow the church to do what the church was meant to do in your life, that means to correct, instruct, guide, be your best friend, all the attributes. Even get up in your wallet. And make you part of the body. And you grow. Then what's in it for you is watching your life become what it was meant to be so it can touch another life so it can become what it was meant to be. The greatest joy of a healthy, growing, full, mature church is that its greatest joy comes from who it's touching next and not it touching itself. All Seasons is an incredible church. But to go beyond where we are, it requires much more in hands. And you can't have a healthy arm and unhealthy legs. There's too much. It requires a decision by people to say, I want to see my church. Not the church, but my church. I want my church to function at its highest quality. And to do that, they need me. They need me. Sometimes we get this picture of church as Pastor Lot driving this bus and everybody's on board. You know, Pastor Lot's just driving this bus. We're all just riding along with him. That's not it. 
It's a big old field. And all of us are picking together. Now I may have to look over and say, man, you done missed a row. Hey, you're not, you're not getting everything off of that stalk. But the job is still the same. We're all picking together. So that the kingdom is full. Will you stand? Verse 16 says this. For whom the whole body joined and held together every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly. Makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in... you get that? From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part, look at the person beside you and say, you're a part. You say, brother, I don't have no skills. I don't have, sure you do. We've got everything from, from cornholes fixing to be coming up with men to, to basketball leagues to, to, there's a million things. I have Wednesday night boys where six-year-olds to ten-year-olds would love to have somebody come back here and show them something that they do. And There's no end to pouring your life into someone else's life. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow. So that it builds itself up in. I know what we can be. I'm not mad. I'm not upset. Man. I am so far over my skis. Come so far from where we started. I don't want it to sound for a second. I'm disappointed. I'm. But I'd be lying to you if I said God doesn't wake me up and show me what could be. And the most frustrating part is that none of that involves me. I may have to tinker or keep it online, but just like our Thursday night men's group. You know, I've never even been to that thing. Never spoke at it. There's almost 20, 30, sometimes 40 guys that go to our 180 church and eat and hear testimonies. And they had a chance to shut it down during this time. You know, it's cold and it's. They were like, no, no, no. That's my lifeline. And I thought to myself, well, what did you do? Well, I just loved on Mark and. A few others ones that's there and Bubba and, and some of the others. And I've, I walk and I'm their pastor and I just try to be their friend and, and encourage them and talk them off the ledge when they think about quitting or whatever. My job for the next 20 years, if God lets me stay, won't change. But yours could. But yours could. Because there's more in you that the world hadn't seen yet. The world hasn't seen you using your gifts or growing and watching it touch lives inside a building which touches a world, which makes God big.
I don't know if that's enough for you to get involved in church, but that's what the church offers. A family, a body, where you grow and they grow and we touch others. Our motto's always been real simple. Reach, teach, train, and release them. That won't change. But we just need a lot more hands to reach the people that God is sending. Over this next time, decide, hey, I'm gonna, I want to teach. Get with Bradley and say, hey, I'm, I don't care. I'm going to start working toward that. Make me an assistant. Make me whatever. And I'll, I'll eventually want to. There's a million ways to get involved and touch a life. And use your abilities. If you're not sure how, come find me. You may not like where you start, but let's get started. Will you bow your head? Father, we're walking through this thought that God, last week we understood that first I have to believe. And I believe that in this room are some incredible people that believe in you. They believe. This week, Lord, we must take it a step further. We must belong. And that's a lot more difficult, a lot more tricky. I know for me that was the hardest season to submit to, to that and to, to grow and to be connected with others and to be, to be locked in, to be... God, it's your design. You gave them all gifts to be used in your body. God, will you just let them choose to use that gift to touch others? Will you allow them to say, I want to belong? I want to belong. Not just believe, but I want to belong. And I want my life to impact this world. Father, I pray that upon my people. Thank you for where you've allowed us to come. And I pray that vision and prophecies will arise of where we're going to be. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Don't give it old devil fits.